Hello everyone, my name is Logan and I am the host of the Crowncast. Today we are going to be talking to you about all of the joys of our most recent win and the joys just keep coming with this team. I am joined today as ever by Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. It's good, isn't it? It's good. It is. It, yeah, you know, two wins in a row. This time it's a 2-0. We get the clean sheet for the first time this season, which Christian Kalina definitely deserved. And so it is good. It's it's a great uh, week. It's a two-game win streak. Yep. Um, and, and honestly, Cincinnati, we talked previously about how in our first win, the, the competition wasn't necessarily spectacular. Uh in this win, the competition wasn't necessarily spectacular, but in both of them, we went out and we did our job really, 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 really well. And uh, the there are lots of players to highlight. We're going to get through them all, but you know what? The players on the field. I think I want to highlight the players on the field. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that that seems fair. Uh, some of the players that came in off the bench, yeah, uh, some of them know, as well, will get yeah. highlighted for various reasons too. But yeah, you know, I think New England put out a, a really poor product a, a couple of weeks ago, and we definitely took advantage of it. Cincinnati wasn't better than Charlotte. It was a better squad than New England. So, you know, I think we still performed well against, you know, a, a squad that was playing uh, better than, than the Revolution were at the, the time we encountered them. Um, yeah, and we will talk about the fact that, uh, you know, while we discuss in the post-react that it never really felt dangerous— there were a few actual moments of danger in this one, and when we when we we calm down and we take a couple of steps back and we think about it, we can objectively say that uh, while we think this win is deserved, uh, this could have this could have been more dangerous than it was. Would you agree? Oh yeah, I mean, it, you know, I I know that I uh, there was a little hyperbole in the post react. I was riding high off the two nil win and everything, and there was definitely a certain sense of oh, we just absolutely controlled it. And when I got a chance to take another look at the the match and uh there were definitely some situations that with if there had been a carol swiderski on the other side of the pitch wearing the the fc cincinnati colors this is probably a 2-2 draw maybe even a 3-2 cincinnati win mm-hmm. uh and that's not to take anything away from the fact that we did put it away to uh zero because ultimately what matters is what happens on the day and what happened on the day was spectacular uh you know one of the things i'm gonna highlight really quick because we've had this question of what happens on the day as uh, a little bit of the new shiny rubs off of this charlotte team and i have to say uh i'm not seeing any new shiny rubbing off of this charlotte team at least not as far as we the fans are concerned because i i really believe that you can tell a lot about a team and a lot about how they're perceived by the city they're in, by the atmosphere walking into the stadium. So not when they're playing, you know, when, you, when you're walking into the stadium, what are people talking about, right? Are they talking about the fact that they've never been to a, a football game? So I guess I'm going to bring my kids to this one and I don't really know any of the players. Or, or are they talking about the fact that they're so excited to see their heroes, right? Are they... Are they jumping with energy before the game, an hour before the game even begins? And it's so clear to me right now, walking into that stadium, that it is just alive. I mean, it is it is lit up like a Christmas tree, with 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 hope and joy and energy. And I love, 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 love to see it. So, uh, 
we're we're not going to harp on this. Uh, you know, maybe later we'll do more talks about the stadium and the fact that it should probably be open to more fans. But what we will say right now is for you guys, the listeners uh, who are going to the games, thank you so much for your energy because that energy feeds back to me and hopefully it feeds back to Justin. And uh, just seeing that in in the stands means that for us, it's not just a great experience to be there. Uh, it's a great experience that we're then passing on to our players, and it's it's just fantastic across the board. Yeah, and and you know you can see it. I, I've not attended a match yet in person. I keep watching. Uh, you know, we talked early in the season about how I prefer to kind of watch my sports uh, more from the comfort of my home, as I'm an old man. Um, but uh, you know, you see the energy, you see the excitement on on screen too, and you can definitely see how much the players appreciate it. Uh, and and winning really does help keep that excitement on and, and keep the shine on the the squad and the the sport uh, for the city of Charlotte. You know, so as long as as these results keep rolling in, we're we're not going to see any kind of uh, reduction in excitement around this this club. Oh, yeah. And, and I really hope we don't. In fact, you know, recently we started giving out crowns and cards. Um, uh, if you'd like to check out the post react, we explain exactly how crowns and cards work. But suffice to say that we give crowns to uh, players and people who we felt did a really good job. And uh, right now I'm giving a crown to the fans. So congratulations, fans. Uh, a, a team's energy goes both ways. The fans feed off of what the team is doing and the team feeds off how the fans are supporting. And right now it is, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic storm of, of really, really positive, exciting, fun energy. And with that positive, exciting, fun energy, we take another three points from this game, two in a row, which if I do my math correctly, two times three is that's we six win. Six points. Oh, well, I was going to say it's we win the league, but maybe, <laughs> that, maybe that's not what it is. Uh, no, I, you think it quite. is six. It is six points. It's six points, and and uh, we wanted to take a second. You know, we got really excited about the fact that we we won our first three points last week, and that definitely spilled over into our podcasts about uh, New England Revolution. More excited to take another three points this week. Wanted to take a second though for listeners that may be getting into soccer as a sport, football as a sport, uh, and Major League Soccer, the league, uh, to talk about what do the points mean. Uh, we talk about them as though it's second nature because we're both big Premier League fans. We both understand all of the stuff. But we wanted to make sure that, that we weren't speaking a foreign language for everybody else. So um, like the uh, like NHL, like professional hockey, uh, wins, draws, and losses uh, mean points for your team. So three points for a victory, uh, one point for a draw or, or a tied match at the end of the 90 minutes, zero points for a loss. So, you know, one of the things that we talked about in one of our earlier pods in the post-react after Atlanta was the heartbreak of that late goal because in this league, the one point that we could have gotten from that draw could matter uh, at the end of, of the season because as you accumulate these points, three for win, one for draw, like we talked about, the team that ends the season with the most points uh, wins an award called the Supporter Shield. And um, like many other leagues around the world, this is actually how you crown the champion of the league, is, is who earns the most points over the course of the season. Premier League's like this, Bundesliga in Germany is like this, La Liga in Spain, you know, a lot of the other big leagues, 
this is how you determine who the champion is, is just based on who accumulates the most points over the course of the season. So that still matters in MLS. You still have the supporter shield. Um, we also, though, have the more American concept of the playoffs. Points matter there, too, because the, the points you score, the points your club accumulates, they push you up the, the overall table, the overall rankings of the various teams in the two conferences in MLS. We've got an Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. And uh, the top seven teams from each conference make it into our playoff. So, um, you know, Logan mentioned in the post-react after, uh, after this uh, match against Cincinnati that at six points we are just outside of the playoffs. And, and we're actually, I think, just outside of the playoffs based on uh, what's called goal differential. And so, you know, we talk about all of the scoring and everything like that. The other thing that you got to think about, and the other reason that a 2-0 win is better than a 1-0 win, you know, uh, a 3-1 is, is, you know, the the amount of goals we score matters is end of the season, you, you your first tiebreaker, if you're tied on points with another team in terms of trying to make the playoffs or anything like that, it's going to be your goal differential. How many you scored minus how many got scored on you. So, we're starting to see that goal differential for Charlotte creep back towards, you know, maybe we're going to get to positive numbers, especially if Carol Swiderski keeps doing what he's been doing. Um, but wanted to make sure that we were, were uh, keeping the fans up to date and, and making sure that we're uh, not speaking a foreign language to you all when we sit here and get excited about uh, six points. Oh yeah. And, and we are excited about those six points. And like you said, uh, things are trending positive. Things are trending so positive, in fact, uh, that I have to say it is officially time. In fact, it may be late uh, to update our priors. Uh, if you were a part of a little group of listeners who were with us in the very, very beginning, you will remember that we saw this team uh, at its infancy, and its infancy looked like a baby learning to crawl. It was not pretty. It was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, there was no link in the midfield. Uh, defensively, they looked to be in shambles. No one really knew where their positions were. Uh, the offense was not sharp. And these are all things that you would expect to see out of a new team. So when I say these things, I'm, I don't want anyone to take away that uh, this team was poorly run in the beginning. But it usually takes a significant amount of time for a new team of any level to climb out of that development stage. Uh, no matter how good the coaching is, there's, a, there's an amount of time and there's an amount of, of play necessary to build those relationships, uh, to, to get people on the pitch who feel like they know how to play with each other and where each other is uh, in any certain situation. And these partnerships, these uh, these synergies especially I mean with the one we've seen now time and time again already even though we just started playing is Ben Bender and and uh Carol Swiderski uh they are have now combined for I think two or three goals uh I think it's two goals is that correct I think it might be two goals with Bender assisting Swiderski and I think that and then Swiderski laid the ball no it was Alcivar that laid the ball off Alcivar, yeah so so either way, I think uh, Ben Bender currently has four goal involvements, which is the same number as Carol Swiderski. And uh, by goal involvements, I mean he was either a part of the assist or scored the goal himself. This team is good. 
this team has the potential to be really good. There are holes in this team, and we will talk about them uh, coming up a little bit later in this podcast. But when we set out originally, we kind of said, hey, if we win one or two games all season, or if we make it a fight for some of these teams that come into Charlotte and uh, make them earn it, and we find a couple of characters to love along the way, we will have had a successful season. And it is time to update those priors because uh, we are on game five and we did that already. We have achieved our goals, right? Which is, is great to see. But it, it's time to, to, to talk about what this team can do and what is reasonable to expect from this team. Uh, so, Justin, really quick. I mean, with, with no prior knowledge uh, that I was going to lay this on you, what do you expect that this team could do now? I mean, you've seen it. I mean, this this team, if they can continue playing like they have played in the last two matches, if, if you can avoid any kind of drop-off, you know, if you can knock on wood and say, let's, let's avoid, you know, any kind of major injuries or anything like that. But, um, you know, this is a, a an upper half of the table. This is a playoff team, I think, in Major League Soccer. This is, uh, you know, a team that has two of the most important positions are locked down by some of the best players, in my opinion, in MLS. You know, your central strike, striker in Swiderski and your goalkeeper in Kalina these are are considerably above average players and i think you have a uh, you know a young player in ben bender like you mentioned that really i mean very quickly has become a, an impressive creator oh, for yeah. this side uh it, it's i think that's a fair call out that we could we could probably expect this team to finish somewhere mid table at the end of this season and i will be very honest when i said uh, going into this season, I thought this team would have a win if it did not finish last on the table. Uh, considering the the struggle they they had in order to put this team together, and considering the pandemic when it happened, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff that doesn't matter now because we're amazing now. Uh, I, I said, hey, you know what? If we don't finish last, we we probably did pretty well. And uh, they took that goal, and right now they're just smashing it. They're just smashing it to pieces, and I love to see it. So, so I'm updating my priors. I hope you all update yours, uh, because if you came into this thinking, hey, this is going to be a fun, plucky team that we're all going to gather around because we live in Charlotte, oh, you are in for something new. We could be good. And if they keep scoring goals, uh, especially, you know, the second goal was great. The first goal, the play, the the interplay between these guys, the way they counterattacked for this goal, this is the kind of stuff that drags a team up the table. This is the kind of stuff that gets the team into the playoffs and maybe even makes a little bit of noise in the playoffs, which, you know, I'm with you. I, I expected us, if we weren't last in MLS at the end of the season, that was originally my, my you know, measure of success. But then you see a goal like this where, you know, it's it's Jordi Alcivar in the center of the, the park and he plays the ball uh, up a little bit ahead to Ben Bender who finds Daniel Rios on the run. And I talked in the post-react about how Daniel Rios, his link-up play has been very good if his finishing has been a little bit lacking. But 
Rios makes this great attacking run from wide, um, pushing into the box, and then he gets the overlapping run from Ben Bender, and he, he's it's a, a great pass to play because it is a pass that the defenders aren't looking for necessarily. He chops hard onto the ball to send it almost, you know, 90 degrees from the direction that he is facing into the path of Ben Bender. And when we talk about Ben Bender and his ability to create and his connection to Carol Swiderski, the cross, it's uh, what's called a grass cutter or a worm burner of a cross because it's its not a high cross intended for Swiderski to try and get on and, you know, head it in or anything like that. It is just off the grass and it is moving. And this is a difficult one to for a defender to try and defend against because Bender sends this thing in this narrow stretch of grass between the last line of Cincinnati's defense and their keeper. And if one of those defenders sticks a foot out to try and deal with it, they could knock it into their own net. So it's just, it's beautiful. It's incredibly precise to hit this. And so that's, that's where it becomes such a beautiful pass. And then Swiderski, it's not, just a tap in there's still some work that needs to be done because it's kind of from a tight angle and he i mean he still puts some pace on it to to make sure that it gets past the keeper trying to come back or any defenders you know trying to crash the the near post form or anything but it is a really well worked counter-attacking goal and it's not what we were expecting at the beginning of the season it's not the ball over the top and hope somebody gets on it this is precise passing understanding of the system players being where they should be and connecting and that's repeatable attacking technique yeah and that's repeatable danger it's really really beautiful to see and uh you will hear me refer to this little stretch of grass that justin has talked about as the corridor of uncertainty and just like he said this is a place where it's very difficult for a keeper to say, I'm going to take this ball um, because he may run into his defenders and the defenders have uh, trouble attacking the ball because they may accidentally knock it into their own net. It's sort of like uh, for those of you who play tennis and play doubles, when the ball goes right between you and no one really knows who should get it, the corridor of uncertainty is the most dangerous place on the field. And to be able to hit it as cleanly and uh, something that you you talked about Justin previously with a pass that has such a perfect weight. It's fast enough to stun the defenders, but not just blazed across the box where no one can get to it. It is a spectacular ball right through that corridor. And just like you mentioned, that is not a tap in for Carol Swiderski. I mean, he makes it look really easy because he happens to be a really good footballer, but it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, it was, it was a really special goal, and it was a really special goal from a really special guy who uh, scores twice in this game, right, Justin? Oh, yeah, and man, that second one. Oh, yeah, I, uh, you know, there is so much more to talk about in the second uh, goal, and at the same time, Justin, you said this really well earlier, so much less, because <laughs> it really doesn't need... Uh, that much explaining or that much talking about anybody who turned on their television right before he took that shot for our second goal. They got to witness a gem. 
they got to witness an absolute gem. And it really doesn't need to be talked up because it does all the talking itself. Uh, his left foot... Maybe they should check it for steroids or something. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know if... I, I, I don't know how steroids work. Uh, not my... I'm not a doctor. Not my specialty. Um, but maybe they should just make sure, like, just his left foot isn't on steroids. It, he strikes this ball in a place that you would normally not expect to see a free kick go into the back of the net. Most of the time, if a free kick goes into the back of the net, it goes into the back of the net by beating the wall, either because the the wall of defenders doesn't jump fast enough, or it's just a really special ball that manages to curl back down. He hits this with so much pace, so much power, and so much accuracy that he goes around the wall to the goalkeeper's side, And even though the goalkeeper has that extra time to react, even though he has that extra vision on the shot, it is so well hit that it is not getting saved. Uh, You know, this is another time that we get to talk about. uh, It it seems like we do it every single match now, but I've said this before. I'll say it again. Keep doing it. I'll keep talking about it. He has a left foot that has this uncanny ability to find the top left corner of a goal with a shot that is just unsavable. And it's so special to watch because we are now showing danger to other teams in so many different ways. We're showing them that we can break on a counter. We're showing them that we can start to break down defenses. We're showing them that we can throw a ball over the top and and hold it up and beat them off of a, a, a long route one ball. And now we're showing them that if you give us a set piece outside of your box, we have at least one player who can make you regret it. And that's such a threat. Uh, Being able to get goals off of a set piece is such a threat because it makes defenders think twice, right? If you go into a game as a defender and you go, ah, there's nobody who can really hit anything from around or outside the box— you might be willing to be a little bit more aggressive outside the box and you're defending. And if, if you foul uh, uh, the other team, you say, ah, it's, it's unlikely anything bad is going to happen. We'll get back possession. We'll go again. Now teams have to think. Now goalkeepers have to think. Every single time. Because every team saw that goal. I don't care who you root for in the MLS. Every single team saw that goal on a highlight somewhere. Every keeper, every defense, every coach just updated their priors and said, you cannot foul Charlotte FC just outside of our box in the middle or left side of the field because they can do that. And I want to be perfectly clear. It won't happen that beautiful every time. It can't happen that beautiful every time. But now we know that it can happen, and everybody else knows too. And the value of that is, mm, it's it's fantastic. I mean, Justin... Do you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, it just, it, you know, the the amazing thing, uh, not just about this goal, but about Karol Swiderski in general is, I, I was reading some statistics earlier, and something like 80% of his shots right now are on target. And that is just an amazing statistic because, you know, for, for our listeners that may not know, shots on target is a really important metric to figure out if your striker's doing well because they're going to shoot a lot. And a tiny mishit on the ball can send it flying off a of frame. 
And, you know, this is just another example of Carol Swiderski has this astonishing ability to hit a ball and know that it's going to go inside of that, that goal frame and at least force the keeper to do something. And it is so exciting to watch. Oh yeah. It's, it's really, really special. And you're right. The fact that he is hitting on target, that's a really high number. I did not actually know that number. So I, I'm, I'm impressed to hear it. Uh, you, you get a live reaction there of, of my going rate. Really? He's at 80%. Uh, yeah. he's at 80% and they've been good shots. You know, it's not like he's trickling shots towards the goal that technically count. I mean, they have been screamers. Obviously the guy's got four goals. So, um, do you happen to know off the top of your head, how many shots he has total this season? Um, I don't off the top of my head. It's not, uh, I, I know, okay. God, he had, I think, five in the Atlanta match. Yeah, not... Uh, I think... Not, not, so I think we're probably like 13 or yeah, so. Some Somewhere around there. Not critical information right now. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do some, some stats podcast later for you guys where we can break down the actual numbers. Uh, but... Uh, Absolutely fantastic from Swiderski. He deserves all the all the praise that we are giving him and are going to give him because this guy looks like he is very good, and he looks like he's here to stay. So, uh, you know, we sort of just have to leave it there at that. But, Justin, you know, the uh, there are other fun things to do here in Charlotte as well. And those of you who have listened before know, of course, that I am talking about our sponsor, Potions and Pixels. Uh, if you are in the Charlotte area and you are a part of a gaming community, a game group, or if you're looking to to join one and play some board games, video games, uh, or learn about anything that's associated with that, we have the honor of working with Potions and Pixels. They help us, and we get the chance to shout them out here on the podcast. They're a fantastic community, and uh, we couldn't be prouder of somebody that we get to work with. Justin, every single time you like to highlight that they're also a family group. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a great uh, location, a great event to bring, you know, kids of, of all ages to the variety in board games that's available, the the ease with which some of them can be taught. You know, there are, are at this point, I think hundreds, literally hundreds of board games that are put out. Um, there are events that focus on uh, I think this most recent weekend, it was Johann Sebastian Joust, which is a great, uh, very simple PlayStation Move game, but great way for the family and friends to get out there, have a good time. Great way to make new friends. Uh, we have mentioned before, Logan and I actually met. Uh, our friendship started at a Potions and Pixels event, so we cannot recommend it highly enough. Indeed it did, and we are proud to shout them out. Uh, but Justin, I think that's about enough of that. It so, is. let's see. We move on, and we move on to the heavily debated, the much talked about, the headline newsmaker of all Charlotte. That's that 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 last one's not true, but the first mm. two are true. Uh, Derek Jones, relatively new signing for Charlotte FC. You liked him in the last match. Everyone else hated him. So, <laughs> would you I like don't... to explain why you're wrong? I don't know if everyone else hated him. Uh, I, I will say that, you know, I think there has been some rightful criticism directed at Derek Jones. You know, if you if you look back at the match and everything, um, there were some times where he was caught in possession. A couple of the 
uh, a couple of the goal opportunities that FC Cincinnati had that were saved by some brilliance from uh, Christian Kalina. You know, it's some of it is uh, Derek Jones dawdling on the ball a little bit, maybe not being quite decisive enough with the passing. I think that that's still, uh, you know, maybe an element, though, of he's still growing into the team. He's still waiting for those opportunities in, in practice sessions to get the reps and understand where everybody is in the system. He just joined us, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago from from Houston Dynamo, so he didn't have any of the preseason or any of that to get acclimated. But I thought he played passing lanes. I thought he broke up play more effectively in this defensive midfield role than what we've seen from, from you know, really it's Brent Bronico who has been starting in this defensive midfield role. And if you've listened to the pod, you know that I'm not a big fan of Brent Bronico. Um, I think that a lot of his defending style looks uh, uh, more like let's run into the player and hope we don't draw the whistle. Um, I don't know that that he's shutting down the passing lanes the way that I think I saw uh, Derek Jones uh, play in this match against uh, Cincinnati. And uh, Cincinnati also has, um, uh, in, in Acosta, uh, an, a very effective attacking midfield player who is really sort of in that one-on-one against uh, Derek Jones here. And I thought that Derek Jones, he didn't cover himself in glory, but I thought he was... Uh, an effective defensive midfielder in a way that I haven't necessarily seen so far from Brant Bronico. I'm willing to to accept that it was not maybe, you know, a, a completely stellar performance this first time, but I think there's a lot to build on. I think there's more to build on than we've seen in the defensive midfield position. Um, I think that, you know, we've got, Alain Franco coming back from international break before the Philadelphia match next weekend. Assuming he's rested and ready to go, he probably reclaims one of these spots in the midfield. I think it'll be interesting to see what the decision is for the defensive midfield. Maybe Sergio Ruiz can slide back into that spot. Maybe it's Derek Jones. I would prefer to see one of the two of them, and honestly, I would prefer to see Derek Jones there rather than Brant Bronico. I think that it's a more effective way to defend to try and uh, step in to the passing lanes and, and play defense that way rather than try and ride through uh, some rough tackles and hope you don't get the calls. Yeah, and one of the things I will say is that uh, while I have definitely looked back at some of the play and seen a little bit of the, uh, we're going to call it slowness to get the ball out of his feet, and I think it's a, a very fair criticism that's been laid at, at Jones's door uh, this is his first shot at the squad. You know, we, we've already discussed that it takes time to start making those passes quickly, to start knowing where the people around you are going to be. And uh, he has not had that time yet. So I, I do think it is fair that he gets the the right to, to develop it and, you know, see if that continues later on. One of the things I will make a positive note about Derek Jones is, boy, he looks like a force in the midfield. Um, he is not a small dude. He is six foot four. And he looks bigger than that. Uh, he he looks like somebody who you'd have to get through. And I do wonder, you know, maybe if I can go back and look a little bit sharper next time, or you know, watch in in oncoming games, whether or not Derek Jones's height and his presence, because he has height and presence, uh, will give us a little bit more solidity 
with balls in the air, whether, you know, him dropping back in for things like corners, uh, et cetera, will give us, will give us more uh, defense on our side and possibly even more threat going forward. Uh, but uh, the thing that caught me immediately in this game was that he does, he does have a presence. I, I don't think there's any denying that. Yeah, and, and a presence that, you know, if he can help out with some of this positioning and cut off some of these passing lanes and keep some stuff from getting in towards our, our, our defensive line, I think that's really important because, you know, we talked too about the fact that this could have been, you know, a 2-2 draw or, or even a 3-2 to Cincinnati. And there were defensive frailties uh, again, yeah. you know? And uh, the defensive frailties is is a, probably a polite way to put it. We did a lot of good. Um, we did a lot of good from the defensive side in this particular match. Both Justin and I left the actual event feeling like we had controlled it pretty well. And the truth is, for most of the game, we controlled it defensively pretty well. But there were there were two outstanding moments uh, in which a, a an offensive player manages to get completely free inside of our box dead middle of the goal and the only thing that stops that ball from going to the back of the net is uh is christian kalina's robot arms i mean yeah justin you want to talk about uh, christian kalina's robot arms and how they save yeah. our defense here <laughs> i mean uh, it, it, you know I, I think we have talked and talked about the greatness of Christian Kalina in between the posts, but it's not something you can stop talking about when he keeps making saves like this. You know, there are, uh, you know, whether it's diving saves to stop curling efforts from outside the box, uh, whether it's, you know, the effectiveness one-on-one, you know, he comes out there and for a striker, for for an attacking player going at Christian Kalina, it must feel like you're looking at an octopus because, the arms and the legs uh, move incredibly fast. And, you know, several of the one-on-one saves were, were made with his feet. We've talked about his ability to, to dive and palm wide with his hands. Um, it, one of the stops, you know, it, there's a bit of luck involved in it, but he ends up sitting on the, the ball like, uh, like a chicken sitting on top of an egg. Uh, making the save. Hey, those count. Um, those count. And they anything to stop that from getting in the back of the net. But yep. you know, again, brilliance from him. And and I talked earlier about the fact that we have considerably above average at the front of the park and at the back of the park. And and man, Christian Kalina, if he's not in this week's MLS Team of the Week, I'm going to have some questions about, you know, how are they identifying that team because. Kalina's got to get recognized for for his excellence there. Oh yeah, and I mean we're not going to go out right and say that they're wrong because obviously last week they uh, picked Miguel Ramirez and also Carol Swiderski. So somebody on that uh, that panel uh, is not only recognizing how good uh, Charlotte FC is playing, uh, but was also correct. And uh, we're going to hope that there's like some other guy who who doesn't pick Christian Kalina because that guy is clearly incorrect. <laughs> Either way, one of the things that we've talked about a little bit before, and I think I'd like to break down a little bit more, Justin, is I'd like to talk with you about Christian Fuchs. Because this guy, I just feel like he is on a different wavelength than everybody else. And not necessarily in a terrible way. Uh, in the first couple 
games that I I watched, I kept feeling like Christian Fuchs was was isolated and he was getting he was getting stuck with two or three defenders and he was marking himself out of plays and and then he was getting beat down the line and and I just wasn't seeing that much I like from Christian Fuchs and we have been asking for him to move to the inside of the pitch. Uh, once again, confirmed now three times, uh, Charlotte FC is run by us. When we make a recommendation, they do it. Uh, so now we do get to see with, uh, uh, with him moving to the interior of the pitch, we see kind of what we discussed previously, that we actually look defensively much better with two really awful lapses. Uh, but we sort of lost our ability to control the ball up the pitch as well. We spent a little bit more time in real counterattacks in this match and not quite as much time sort of playing the ball in their area. And one of the things that I started trying to recognize and see is I do think when Christian Fuchs is in that out-wide position, he may have some... Uh, some extended trouble keeping up with the play getting back, but he does seem to bring that controlling presence that he has higher up the field as as he's allowed to progress. And once we saw him move back into that interior slot, uh, we saw a little bit more defensive integrity, but we also saw a little bit less of that that presence up, up a little bit higher up the fields. Justin, did you see sort of what I'm looking at here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what you're talking about is uh, Christian Fuchs is still a, an incredibly effective passer of the ball. And so when he's playing wide and pushing a little further up the pitch, he's an extra outlet. You know, he's an extra, uh, almost like a number six, a, a midfielder, a maybe a little bit more defensive midfielder, but capable of making some of those really intelligent passes that can cut some lines or... You know, what I've seen in particular early in the season, the the switch of play, the the ball that goes from the left side where Fuchs is all the way back over to the right side and sort of puts the defense, uh, catches them out of shape, gives us an opportunity to attack. That said, like you mentioned, when he's playing out wide on the left, I think he has a little bit of trouble covering the ground that's necessary. Now moving interior, you know, I think we lose a little bit of that attacking thrust that he can help out with that stabilizing presence in the midfield you know a little bit of a safety valve in some situations where you know that you can pass the ball to Fuchs and, and maybe he's going to be able to you know collect it and move it in an effective direction um a little bit more defensive stability you know I think dropping Christian McCoon helps a lot with that yep uh, and sliding Christian Fuchs inside like we've asked I think the issue that we saw this time was the impact that, that bringing Joseph Mora back in to play at the left back, uh, you know, it didn't really, that didn't really pay off for us either. Yeah. That uh, left us with the defensive fragility a little bit still out there and took away some of the attacking thrust. Yeah. That, that combination we saw early on in the season and it did not function uh, extraordinarily well in the beginning, which is sort of why we see Christian Fuchs moved out there now. Uh, and I'm, I'm re I really struggle here because I see Christian Fuchs move on the outside and I see, and I have concerns, but I also see the good he's doing. 
And then I see Christian Fuchs moved on the inside like I want. And I have concerns. But I also see the good he's doing. So I, I'm sitting here with this with this uh, this Fuchs conundrum. And I, I think I personally am going to come out on the side of this that I would rather see him be a strong base of our midfield. No, a strong base of our midfield. A strong base of our uh, defense. You know, be central interior as one of those two. And, you know, whether it's we develop more uh, a little bit more for him to to play a little bit more effectively and not leave Fuchs so isolated, or whether it's we, you know, we find another solution to that left back position. Right now, I am just barely teetering on the fence, bringing him, keeping him in the interior. But, but I still see concerns. Justin, you know, do you agree or would you still rather see him out wide? No, I mean, I think that his lack of pace when he's being asked to play 90 minutes in a stretch is evident. And and you hide some of that by putting him in a position to maybe not run as much. And you do that by putting him central. I think it's his best position. I just think that, you know, when we're talking about how how do we firm up this defense, the answer is we have not found an effective partner on the left side of our defense for Christian Fuchs that lets, lets Fuchs do one of the two things he does, you know, effectively and, and provides coverage for the pieces that maybe he can't do. Yeah, and so we will pass along that this is, this is not a new phenomenon. There are uh, some of the best players in the world, in defense specifically, go to a new club and they struggle to do well uh, because they don't have a partner there that suits them well. And I think part of the thing we're seeing is that the the speed and intensity of Jalen Lindsay is partnering really, really well with Guzman Corujo and his ability to sort of be a solid presence that, uh, that holds space well, that watches play develop, and... Uh, the two are able to feed off of each other really well. I'm not seeing that same partnership between either Christian McCoon and Christian Fuchs or Joseph Moira and Christian, Christian Fuchs or Guzman Carujo and Christian Fuchs. So it's it's so clear that the skill is there. It's so clear that the the upsides are are clear. I think we he's one of those players who we're just going to need a little bit more time and, and maybe a little bit of, of player rotation to find a partner that suits for him suits him because I think if defensively our left pod of those two players becomes as strong as our right pod, uh, and keep in mind, we have an absolute monster in Jalen Lindsay out there on the right pod, so we're asking quite a lot. Uh, if that left pod becomes as strong as our right pod, I think we become a really, 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 really dangerous team. Uh, yeah. and But the question is, you know, we had an opportunity to see this because Christian McCoon was off on international duty. Is it Adam Armour? You know, is it, uh, um, you know, oh, who's the other Polish guy? Subasinski? Yeah. I mean, uh, he, I think we can effectively say that Adam Armour, having already scored for us, is 
unstoppably good, and there's no way on <laughs> earth he could ever be anything other than made of pure gold, right? So let's throw him in. I mean, sure. He's he's. I think he's hurt right now. I saw him pop up on an injury report, so uh, you know he might be a little bit hurt. But but maybe. You know, maybe Anton Walks. We he was a, a you know a name that came in from from Atlanta FC. Uh, he's technically a defender, even though he keeps being brought on. You know, this time he he subbed on in place of Kyle Swiderski. Um, but uh, you know, I just I would like to see some changes happen somewhere in that left defensive side. Yeah, because it's. Right now, it's the area that I see as the weakest part of uh, of this starting 11 for, for Charlotte. Yeah, and you can absolutely bet that if Justin and I see it, uh, opposing coaches are going to see it. Uh, I, yeah. I dare say that some of them may even be better at the football than I am. And... Uh, <laughs> And I know, I know that's going to shock a lot of our listeners that I would, I would make such an outrageous statement. But ultimately, we do walk away with a, the first clean sheet for Christian Kalina, who earned it. Uh, you know, we talked about this in the post-match. He, uh, he was not gifted a clean sheet. He did not uh, get to sit back there and uh, pick daisies and decide that clouds looked like bunny rabbits. He was working for it, and he has been working for it. And he has finally gotten his first clean sheet, hopefully the first of many. I don't think we need to go into Christian Kalina again. Just a congratulations for him. Would you agree? Absolutely. He he deserved the clean sheet, and he deserves to be recognized for his outstanding play. Yeah, uh, he, he, deserves the, he deserves the reward. Uh, and uh, with that, we are going to pass along in this upcoming week. There is going to be a little bit of a difference in our schedule. Uh I am actually going to be in Portugal, uh, so we are not going to be having a post-match podcast uh, for Philadelphia. That will be our uh, our off time here for a little bit, and you will be able to talk to us again right at, or uh, right on the Wednesday podcast, uh, where we will do sort of a, a smaller version of our post-match, uh, where we still give out our crowns and our cards, but then we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper. So uh, this time, slightly different than regular. We will talk to you again next Wednesday, and we cannot wait to see you. Goodbye.